Welcome to this bonus episode to finish series one of Deep CV Diving. Today's guest is the man that makes it all happen, my producer, Peter Kerwood. Peter was introduced to me when I moved to the UK and he immediately brought enthusiasm and passion to the project. It was his idea for the Deep CV Dive, which has become a favorite feature of all interviews. And it was also his idea to record this wrap-up session, which I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Oh, great. That's my own introduction. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> You've been dying for that all season. I know you have. <laughs> Your introductions are legendary. Thank you for my own. That's brilliant. So this is going to be a bit of a wrap up of all of the six episodes and your highlights and reflections back on some of the some of the things that you've heard that you thought were incredible and there's lots of them and then I've asked all the guests questions back for you <laughs> so I thought no. yeah I thought we'd yeah, do a, no. rapid, a rapid fire at the end and, oh, no. uh, and you can answer all their questions I'll try what do you think the golden thread was of the conversations that you've heard over the last six episodes? It's it's really interesting when you listen back to all six, because, of course, we recorded them in chronological order. So we recorded them every week for six weeks. Um, and it's only when you sort of have, have listened to all six that you can answer that question. And what, what for me comes out from all of the conversations is that serendipity and opportunity play a really huge part in these career journeys. You know, they were not... They were not planned at the beginning. You know, some people had ambition and some people had aspiration. But the reality is that when you hear how they went from job to job, you realise that quite a lot of the times that they did that, it was based on a chance conversation with somebody or they just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And so what I think is really fantastic when you listen to these is that this real sense of you can plan to a certain extent. And as COVID has taught us, you just can't control what might happen. And so I think that, you know, the fact that there was so much sort of willingness to just take opportunity and go with it from all of them was really inspiring for me. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Hmm. How do you think these conversations help listeners? Oh gosh, in, in, you know, in so many ways. So but when I when I had the original idea, when I brought this idea to you, if you remember, my original idea was very much to just sort of do like, you know, interview people about their careers and 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 just tell the story. But I think with the reflection of the deep CV dive and being able to sort of put context around people, what people have done at certain parts in their career and how it changed the way they did something or if they learned something from it, those are the learnings for the listeners. So it's not just the fact that listeners can be inspired by these career journeys, because all of these people have sort of reached the top of the tree in um, in their profession. But it's also that uh, along the way, people can hear how these guests have done things like handled management challenges or handled politics in the in the business or you know how in some cases they they manage their own stresses and strains of doing these jobs so i think what's so fantastic about all of the guests that we interviewed was how authentic they were how honest they were and that honesty really as a listener gives you sort of a, a real sense that you know you can walk in their shoes you can you can learn from their experience so i think that's it, it's a really good learning and development resource for anybody who wants to excel in a sort of career in professional services. That's like a masterclass. It's incredible. That's it why is, they... yeah. Yeah. They're like mini TED Talks. Mini TED Talks. <laughs> exactly what they are. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, as you would say. I'm um, curious. I say that all the time. I'm curious. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm curious to know 
whether when you're interviewing people, you you always hear what they're saying. I know we've talked about this before that after the interview, you, you listen back to it. I listen back to them. I know you do two or three times just so that we can work out how we're going to edit them. Yeah. And every time I hear hear an episode, I I hear something new. You must yeah. get. Do you know what I've learned from this? exercise and it's a really good learning for anybody who is interviewing a candidate for a job is that you spend so much time you know listening but not actively listening you're taking notes you're sort of wondering what your next question is going to be so I think that you only hear probably 50 or 60 percent of the conversation and when you listen back and I have to listen back sometimes three or four times because I want to record the you know the deep CV dive so when I listen back I always hear nuances that I didn't hear the first time around and sometimes it's those nuances that really change the meaning of an answer. And I think, you know, one of the problems with interviews, and and I'm a recruiter, I've been doing it for 100 years, as I've said before, one of the problems for my clients as well, when they're interviewing candidates, I think, is that the interview is such a sort of false environment. You know, you wouldn't normally ask people the sort of questions you would ask in an interview. What I've tried to do in this podcast is ask questions really about them and their life as opposed to the skills that they have but the it still is true that you only really hear 50 or 60 percent of the conversation first time around so you know it's been brilliant to go back over and over and over them and and you know almost get I get inspired when I listen to them second or third time around yeah I do but also there's something about audio I find when I'm listening to them normally in the gym while I'm running there's one episode we're going to play the clip actually you ask a question and your guest catches her breath as she replies and you wouldn't get that on a you wouldn't notice on a video but you do in audio it's you hit you yeah it's lovely if you had a message to the deborah who sat on that plane en route to tokyo with the world of work still ahead of her what would your advice or your message be to her It's like what I wanted to achieve, and I think we have achieved, is, and I think the guests feedback to me afterwards is that they don't they stop thinking that they're being um, recorded and they stop thinking of it as being a podcast it just becomes a conversation and um, I think it's worth noting that they they don't see the questions before we record we literally ask them the questions on the spot like an interview That's so what you're hearing exactly so what you're hearing is you know response in real time without any preparation that for me is amazing because some of the answers are so fantastic and you think to yourself wow gosh you if you can if you can say that without any preparation that's how your brain works no wonder you've reached the top of the tree quite frankly well that leads on perfectly to our next section which is your highlights my first highlight has to be the first one so we interviewed lisa marie sakant who used to be the cmo emia at norton rose fulbright now given it was the first one we did. And also, I had only met her once about five or six years ago. She's amazing. So, you know, it was really quite nerve wracking for me. And I was just really blown away by by how um, she responded to my questions and what, and, what, and what she talked about. And it's probably my favourite podcast because it was the first one and it was taking shape. But she really raised, she set the bar for what it had to be afterwards. After 15 years, which is an amazing length of time to stay with a firm, you left. Um, Talk to me about that decision process. I was exhausted. I, quite frankly, burnt out. 
and uh, a number of things in my life happened in one go specifically within a six-week period and prior to that I had noticed I wasn't my usual smiley happy self Mm -hmm. Uh, and this had been going on for a few months my sleep was poor Uh, my health wasn't brilliant either and uh, I stopped enjoying it and when you've got a role like that and your beliefs are as a leader you are responsible I knew my responsibility was to let it go Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the same energy I'd had five and a half years earlier and I wasn't showing up as my best self Wow. I've got tingles listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) What was so brilliant about it was that I didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, And she was so honest in sharing her experience, which I absolutely know will have helped so many people. You know, there is this sense that when you've reached the top of the tree, when, you know, when, when, when you're in a really senior leadership position, that you've got it all sorted. And, you know, of course they don't. They're just like everybody else. They have their good days, they have their bad days. And it was so, just so wonderful for her to share and be so honest about her experience. And, you know, we did ask her at the end, we, we went back and said, you know, do you, do you really want to say that? And she was like, that is my experience. And I'm really grateful to her for, as I say, she set the bar for the sort of questions I would ask in the next episode. Incredibly honest as well. Yeah. Next one. What was your next favourite, Graham? The next one I've chosen is Danielle Bond, who's the Group Director, Brand Marketing and Communications at Oricon. I particularly like, again, how honest she is in this clip. And I knew that I needed to learn more about marketing than I could learn on my own, even with a small team in a law firm. And so, you know, the big four firms are even more so today, significant businesses where they, uh, I knew I would be working alongside locally and internationally some really smart people and I would learn a lot. So I absolutely went after that. And it could have been tax, it could have been audit, it could have been risk. I would have taken the job, Graham, mm-hmm. uh, because my goal was to work for Ernst & Young. Brilliant. You see, what I love about that is that she chose to work for the organisation, not the job. Yeah. And she chose the organisation because she knew that she didn't know what she didn't know. And, you know, a lot of my guests in this series said similar things, and which was about, you know, ch- taking a job for the opportunity to learn something. And that in itself is a great learning for listeners, you know, that, that, that if you're in the beginning of your career or mid-career, you've done your degree um, or not in some cases, you know, you've done your study, you've got your first job, maybe a graduate job, you're moving into management. And then I think that for a lot of people, they stop thinking about the world of work as a place of learning. And, and actually, it is a place of learning. And she nailed that years ago and understood that and continues to understand that. And I just thought it was so brilliant that she sort of, when reminiscing about her career, it was the first thing she remembered is that she went there to learn. Yeah, brilliant. And your next one. Oh, um, I've chosen Kane Dowsett. Now, he's the head of brand communications and marketing of the Americas at Clifford Chance. Gosh, what an upbeat and positive man he is, you know, brilliant. Um, And um, he shared quite a personal story, I think, didn't he, about 
about his move from um, Asia to the US and how love was involved in all of that and how he got himself into a little bit of a pickle in terms of, um, you know, uh, trying to get a move, internal move from from Asia to the US with Clifford Chance and, and how he probably didn't manage it in the best way possible. And it was great that he shared this learning with us. The point that I wanted to make was I became increasingly frustrated and to the point that one day I walked in and spoke to my boss and said, you know, if I can't get an opportunity over in New York, I'm just, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the firm and I don't want to. And she turned to me and she said, well, when do you want to move? And I said, well, you know what? And, you know, uh, throw my dummy out of the pram and like I need to have her all over there before the end of the year or I'm going to leave now in my mind I'm like I'm not leaving I'm gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it going gonna keep it going and uh, she said to me you've never articulated that so the bit of advice is when you're faced with a situation where you're feeling a little frustrated ask yourself the very honest question have you actually had the conversation that you think you have in your mind. Brilliant. Isn't he wise? <laughs> Isn't he brilliant? I'm so glad he actually is now in New York as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Your next is Ross. Ross, who we only we only released this this week. Ross Ashburn, client services partner and business development leadership at EY. Um, oh, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful career story that man has. And how open and willing and 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 so sort of um humorous as well about his experience what i really 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 liked about the way ross answered questions um and in particular this one was that you know he's a partner um in a big four and yet he offered really 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 practical advice and he had um a real idea about what is needed in the market right now from a bd perspective and i think this nails it I think the doer is coming back in fashion at the moment. It tends to when we start yeah. to get some financial hardship. People like yeah. a doer. I'm yeah. definitely a doer. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of uh, noise in, in big organizations, not just partnerships, but in big organizations that, that people who are more about strategy and talking than actually getting it right down to a client level, to a relationship level, or making that all work. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a gap there. Brilliant. Yeah. And there is a gap there, and I totally agree. And um, the doer will win at the end of the day. What's so brilliant about it for me is that every single guest on our podcast is a doer. You can tell by the way in which they talk about their careers. You can tell by the way in which they've moved from one to another based on things that they've done or people that they've known. And a lot of them got these jobs because they had to do something. They had to change something. They had to transform something. And so, you know, that is the, that is the lesson. If you're not a doer, you're not going to reach the top. And if you do reach the top and you're not a doer, you're not going to stay there. Heather is our next, your next choice, and she is a doer. <laughs> My goodness. He- Heather Vagdama is a doer, the Chief Marketing Officer at Walkers. Quite an emotional podcast for me because I have known her for such a long time. And and I, you know, I I was there at the beginning of her career. I got her, we worked together. I got her her very first BD exec job in a law firm. And so it was quite personal for me to interview her in this podcast because I was genuinely so proud of where she is. And she told such a lovely story at the beginning of the podcast about her ambition to always work 
in an office you know she said in a skyscraper in the city yeah I remember. and so it was so romantic actually that that's where she'd ended up and I and I just had to ask her about that and, and I just love this piece of the podcast um when she talks about it how are you feeling at this point in time in your career I mean it's a, a massive sense of achievement really i you know, worked hard, I'd taken every opportunity I could, continue to build my skills and and being really focused on on where I wanted to get to, including asking my boss at the time for the job. Yeah, amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. I have more. Do you want more? <laughs> Jane, <laughs> Jane has a second uh, a second entry here in your list of in my top ten. Highlights. In my top ten. <laughs> well, w- one of the one of the great things about Payne's story and also again something that person of interest to me is his work that he does around LGBTIQ community and I thought he, he told a lovely um, and quite humbling story about his experience working on an LGBTIQ event in Hong Kong. Yeah it was really emotional. I remember the first Pride Art exhibition that I assisted with the first year I was with the firm the day after the event. And of course I went in there and went crazy on the event planning and it looked incredible and it was engaging and it was a real party. Um, The next morning, one of our junior attorneys, uh, Chinese attorneys came to me and said, I never knew this sort of thing existed within our firm. I just want to thank you so much. And it it really, that got me. Talk about get you right in the chest. And I was like, wow, that is a way for me. I'm using my skills to benefit others. Now, I've never been the out and proud uh, pride marcher, anything like that, but it really hit me that you can, you don't have to be that. And for me, this is my way of contributing and giving back. Lovely. So good, isn't it? Yeah. Next choice, your last choice here. Well, my final highlight of series one um, yeah. has to go to Deborah Philippin, who's the head of business development, Asia Pacific at Pinsent Masons um, in, in Australia, based in Australia. And I've chosen this highlight because I think it sums up actually what deep CV diving is about. Um, it's, I said at the beginning of this, this um, wrap up podcast that, um, you know, the common theme for all of them is taking opportunity, um, you know, just taking a leap of faith and jumping into something. And earlier in Deborah's career, when she was in Tokyo, and she joined her first law firm, there was really no job description, they sort of made it up on the spot. And what's great about how she talks about that time is you can hear in her voice, how enthusiastic she was about doing five jobs in one and didn't really care. She just wanted to get into a corporate environment. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm really interested in the marketing and business development side of things. And I don't, I know nothing about that for law firms, but I'm, I'm really keen to maybe set that up here because they didn't have a department that was technically or or officially BD. And he said, well, you know what, that would be great. You can come in, you can set up the department, but we also want you to like change the server tapes in the IT room and we want you to be the group secretary and we want you to be the executive assistant to the managing part to me and, yeah, can you do all those things? <laughs> and I remember just looking at him saying, yeah, I think I can, just let me let, let me see really. And, um, yeah, so I ended up taking this multifaceted role where, I did change server tapes wow. in the IT room. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, manage eight secretaries. Um, never had any management experience before, but he's like, that's it. He saw me talking to about three or four of them. And he's like, that's it. 
you're managing these people. I'm like, what? I've just, I've never managed people before. And he's like, no, no, you're doing it. I think it's extraordinary that at this point in Deborah's career, she's got, she can speak fluent Japanese and she's got a law degree and yet she's still prepared to change the service names. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's brilliant. It's hands-on. It's being a doer, which is what Ross said, you know, yeah. if you're a doer, you'll go far. So we're going to talk about your, your favourite deep dives now. I want you to tell me why you why you picked them. Tell me why you've picked Danielle's. I picked Danielle's because I like the way she was able to talk about her experience moving from the theatre, the world of theatre, uh, performing arts, to the world of law. And she made a really nice connection. The reason I think it's important is... Sometimes we in professional services get fixated on people have to have professional services experience to work in professional services. And what Danielle does here is that she takes a transferable skill or experience and makes it so logical that you just think to yourself, yeah, why wouldn't working in a theatre be exactly the same as working in a law firm? Take a listen. I'm taking a deep dive here to reflect on this. It's a great analogy that lawyers are like actors and that the job of a marketer is to sell tickets. I like its simplicity. What I also find interesting is how she recognises that as a marketer, she too needs to have presence and personality and be engaging. These are all skills to hone if you want to be successful in these types of jobs. That's so good. That's so good. So your second deep dive... My second deep dive is Ross. And in the interview, he talked about the importance of adapting your style to the different environments that you work in. Um, And um, it was a very, it was a moment of self-reflection for him. um, And it was definitely worth picking up on. I'm taking my first deep dive here because we've covered a lot of ground already. From dropping out of university, being a courier driver, then a recruiter, his skills and experience were honed at the coalface, dealing with people. Confidence and ambition played a key part in his journey, but what is interesting is that when he moved into a multi-services environment, he realised that he needed to temper some of these drivers that had previously proven to be his strengths. It's a good lesson in realising that to be successful in these large, complex businesses, you need to be aware of the other personality types around you and adapt your style. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. He's fascinating. What a fascinating man. Mm. Your next deep dive is Heather. Yeah, my next deep dive is Heather, and it sort of will lose its context without listening to her full answer. But maybe people who haven't listened to that podcast will go back and listen to it now. But the reason I chose this was because, as we said at the beginning, nobody knows what I'm going to ask them. And I asked her a question on pursuits because she'd had a she'd had a very senior role in pursuits at KPMG. And I just asked her on the spot um, for her to tell us what pursuits actually means. And I think her answer, as you'll hear my response, was probably the best answer on that question I'm ever going to hear. Spectacular. 
I must stop here. That was possibly one of the most articulate definitions of what for many is a difficult BD strategy to explain. She didn't know I was going to ask the question because I didn't know. But I'm glad I did because in answering, she demonstrates that she truly knows and understands the value that BD people have in a professional services business. And being able to confidently articulate what you do is what buys you influence and credibility. So what I like about the deep dives is that they they take an answer like her answer on pursuits. But what I try to do, and I think I did quite successfully in that deep dive, if I'm going to blow my own trumpet, was it, it wasn't just the answer on what, you know, what is a pursuit. It was the fact that, as I said, that she was able to articulate it. And my point in the deep dive was... If you're in a situation where a stakeholder who's not a business development or marketing person asks you a question about your skill set, you should be able to articulate it brilliantly with confidence. And that's what she did. And I think that that's the point of the deep dive. The deep dive is the sort of the learning. It's the sort of it's the spotlight on the learning. It's like it doesn't matter if you're not a pursuits person. What you'll learn from her answer is how to answer about your own skills and experience. That's so good. It's so brilliant. Hey, hola. So during the podcast, in every episode, there are a number of questions which are particularly direct. You're very good at this. And as we've gone through the series, you've got more and more <laughs> ruthless. Um, we picked three because there's quite a few of them. Tell me why you've picked the first one, which is Kane. Well, the thing I did with Kane that Kane was not expecting at all was that I had his CV from 10 years prior. Yeah. So good. And I just sort of ambushed him with it and said, right, I've got your CV in front of me. And um, and he absolutely I think he was a bit taken aback that I had it. Um, yeah, you can tell in his voice. He's, yeah, he's but surprised. he responded really well. I have in front of me your CV from 2013. Oh, man. <laughs> now, if you recall, I said to you at the time that it was one of the best written and presented CVs I'd ever seen. And, and one of the reasons for that was that you had inserted your own quotations about your experience, but also plans that you had at that time. And I thought that was really quite sort of bold and confident. Your next direct question was uh, to Lisa about politics. Tell me about that. Because we were just having the conversation and then she started talking about, you know, the, the the complexities of working in a global law firm. And it suddenly struck me that, you know, they are very political. And I and I just asked her about the politics. And it was funny because this was the first one we recorded. She answered it so brilliantly and it became a sort of question that I asked others moving forward. They can be political, these environments, can't they? How do you navigate that then? It depends, to be honest. It depends on your strength of relationship. It depends on who you're dealing with. It requires good self-awareness. You also need to be clear. You know, I was always very clear. Is somebody talking to me as Lisa Marie or are they talking to me in the hope that I share this information back to my boss, whoever my boss was at that time? I'm pausing again because her point on politics and how to navigate it is excellent. And it's really worth reflecting on in your own place of work, asking yourself, are they telling me this for my benefit or in the hope that I'll pass it on to others? So your next direct question was to Ross. This was quite a direct question because Ross had been talking about his career journey at EY and it, and it was all logical and it all made sense. But I just had this burning 
question to ask and so you'll hear that I just <laughs> emphatically was like why um take a listen why why you why do they choose you well I think I think one is a bit of trust that I'll navigate it in a way where I'll bring people with me which is which is important and it comes back to you know where I started of being spotted on a phone in a in a cold warehouse in in Kent yeah, it comes back to that spotting people, bringing people with you, showing that there's there's a goal and a focus, and showing that actually if we pull together we can we can reach that. So there's a lot of visioning that goes into it, but a lot of proof that has to go alongside it because people can choose to kind of where they spend their time. It's a matrix organisation. I don't have any control over them, yeah. just like nobody else does, right? We, we we have some stakeholders that give us some steer, but we. We can only get people to play in our area if it's exciting and good for them, both from a reward and a career perspective, mm-hmm. and they feel valued, uh, their voice is heard, and it's fair. That is great. Yeah, you can see that um, my confidence grows as we do more podcasts. One of the, love, the, the things I've loved most about, about this podcast is, and I don't, see, I don't get to see these until you actually do it, <laughs> do the recording, but... Your intros and your wrap-ups are, I think, legendary. Thank you. <laughs> but I've picked two. These are my my two favourite. This is Danielle. <laughs> Tell me about this. My guest in this episode has been the brand, marketing and communications leader for global engineering firm Oricon since 2009. Prior to this, she was the Oceana Marketing Director for Big Four Accounting and Consulting Firm EY, where she was for seven years. Fittingly, her name is Bond, Danielle Bond, and we are about to uncover the trade secrets to her success. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Thank you very much. I like that intro, Graham. Good, good. Danielle Bond, thank you. It's really important when you're doing intros to relax people because actually yeah. people, even though they're really senior in their jobs, they're quite nervous coming on a podcast. I don't know what I'm going to ask them. You know, they've, they've taken a leap of faith that um, it's all going to be okay. And so I think sometimes with the intros, to bring a bit of humour is it's just a nice icebreaker. She responded really well to it. She, she loved it. And then we're talking senior, senior people. Ross, you then... <laughs> Then the wrap-up for Ross is, like, off the charts. Well, I had no idea that Ross was going to tell the story he told. So I sort of, that wrap-up I wrote as we were talking, you know, like I, it was, it was, it was a gift. Thank you so much for giving us the space and time to listen to your career story today. I'm sure there'll be lots of people who are very motivated by how a solid D and E grade student who did a little <laughs> stint in prison ended up being a partner at EY. Well done to you. Thank you so much. That is, that is a brilliant summary, Graham. I think maybe, uh, you know, if I ever have to write my CV again, maybe that's how I'll start it. <laughs> you, you just call me. <laughs> have a great day. Thank you. He loved that. It's so good. He was laughing all the way through, actually. That whole episode was just brilliant. I've um, I've gone back and asked all our guests for some extra questions for you, which I thought you'd love. Lisa Marie, for instance, she says um, she wants she wants to know why you think her career accelerated whenever her personal life went wrong. Oh, gosh. Um, I, it's not uncommon to, for me to see people's careers accelerate 
or people to excel in their careers when there is something um, going on in their personal life. You know, without being a psychotherapist, people need to cling to something when their life is in chaos. And for a lot of people, the rigor and control around work, the discipline of work, the hours that you can spend at work, et cetera, et cetera, can sometimes be a really good distraction from what's happening um, elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Kane says, actually Kane said lots of things, but he said that um the outreach from his his episode has has been really good. He's had some really good feedback and his company's posted it on on their LinkedIn and it's just he's really, really pleased. He wants to know when you'll be expanding into the US so he can come so you can come and interview him in person. <laughs> well, I never need an excuse to go to New York. Um the way to answer that question for me, having now listened to all of these stories in the podcast series, is that never say never. You know, here I am sitting in the UK. I never saw that coming. And it's been amazing. So um, watch this space. Brilliant. Heather says she's got lots of questions she'd like to ask you, Graham. But her number one question for you is, what is your greatest career accomplishment? Gosh, I don't know that I've had it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there is, there are so many. I'm so, I feel so privileged to um, be in a, to be in the business that I'm in. Um, I work with amazing people, so I think that probably the greatest career achievement was setting up Selden Gill Consulting, which then became Selden Rosser. Um, underlying that, the second biggest achievement was hiring Katie Rosser. Um, so you know, I'm very proud of Selden Rosser, and um, that that it continues to inspire me on a daily basis. Brilliant. Deborah says, um, if the opportunity to ask Graham a question, I'm never passing that one up. <laughs> Perhaps this one: If you chose to become a BD marketing director, what do you think would be the one task you'd advocate for your team never to do again? Probably. I tell you the one thing I get sick of seeing on job descriptions, and I've been doing this job now, looking at particularly law firm recruitment. I've been doing law firm BD recruitment for nearly 25 years next year. And I'm still seeing on job descriptions things like directory submissions. I, and I I came from the directory background. I used to work for Chambers and Partners, one of the biggest legal directories there is. So I know exactly what they're all about. But really, 25 years later, we're still spending so much money, time and effort on directory submissions. It, it just beggars belief. I'll probably get lots of hate mail from, um, from, from, from directory owners, and I'll probably get lots of uh, uh, flowers and chocolates from every BD manager in a law firm for saying that. <laughs> I've got a question from Ross as well. Mm. He says, he loves, I'm going to ask you this question. He says, what's your, what's been your best social day or night out and why? What recently? Yes. Well, he said whenever, but the question was open. <laughs> Given that we spent two years in lockdown in Melbourne, um, we've really gone for it this year. Um, when I think I've done, I've, I've, I've really done loads of things this year that have been brilliant, but, but the highlight for me socially would have been recently when we were when Selden Rossa was in Singapore um Katie Rossa and Angela Maglieri and I caught up in person for a week in Singapore and um we had an event um which was brilliant a little drinks party for um people who have really supported the business 
um, in Singapore. And then we had a lovely dinner afterwards, just the three of us. And it was so nice to be with the team um, in real life um, and be relaxed and also to be in Singapore, um, a city which has been a very, very big part of the Seldom Lost journey. We've placed lots and lots of people in Singapore. We've got lots of clients in Singapore. And so it was just lovely to be with the team in Singapore in a lovely restaurant, having had a party for all of our supporters. It was brilliant. That sounds amazing. Danielle says, if there's one piece of career advice that you would give to talent looking for the next job, what would it be? I think as we've learned from these um, interviews, be open, be flexible, be opportunistic, uh, back yourself. I would say personally, don't reach too high too soon. Realise that you don't always know what you don't know and join an environment where, if possible, you can learn. Great. That's great. Right, quick fire. You ready? Yes. Lisa Marie had three questions for you. I'm going to ask one. Yeah. How do you like to be managed? I hate being managed. Next. (laughs) That's a crap answer. (laughs) This is from Heather. Can you describe a situation where you took the initiative to accomplish a goal? This podcast. Brilliant. I had the initiative. You helped me. We wrapped it up. We did six. It's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. This is from Danielle. If we were to ask managers who who, uh, report into you or colleagues that work with you, what would they say about you? How would they describe you? Oh, in the same way that my husband describes me, frustrating, um, (laughs) inconsistent, high maintenance. Brilliant. Deborah says, can you tell me something about yourself that's nowhere near your CV that I couldn't deduce about you? I used to be in the Boys Brigade. Did you? So did I. Oh, my goodness. Were you? Can I tell you that I was in the Boys Brigade for a year and I was the second I was the second line buglist and I never, ever played that bugle once. I mimed the whole way. <laughs> I think I did as well. There you go. One of them was playing because someone... Somebody was playing, but it wasn't me. Um, This is from Kane. Can you tell me something about you outside of work other than being in the Boys Brigade? It's the same question, really, isn't it? It really is. Um, I love opera. Do you? Yeah. And since moving to the UK this year, I've been to seven. What was the last one? Um, Alcina at the Royal Opera House last week. Oh, my goodness. Mm. That was the last question, Graham. Hurrah. That was brilliant, Graham. Thank you. So, what's next? Well, I am happy to say that um, it's been so successful. We've had such a great feedback um, from the market, the opportunity to hear people tell their story, that we're going to do it all over again in 2023. So um, I think we're planning for uh, a launch of Series 2, Episode 1. Shall I say February 2023? February. There you go. Brilliant. I'll get it in my diary. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be there. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be, I'm always there. Thanks, Graham. That was so much fun. Thank you. I hope people enjoyed it. <laughs>